got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew, doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check You're listening to bruise beards and shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another season of the Creative Coping Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Anomaly. And if you weren't aware, I was off for a couple of months. I took the summer off to kind of reset and kind of recalibrate myself and put myself in the right headspace because honestly, I was experiencing just a little bit of burnout. But I'm back and I'm really excited about this episode in particular which features my guest, Jamie Bennett, a.k.a. Chun Jay of the rap group Royal Ruckus. We talk about his Unexpected Joy EP that was just recently released. You definitely need to go check it out. We also talk about his podcast and what he does, how he copes with life in general and his work that he does at the Samson House. So without further ado, Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, it's great to have you. So for those maybe unfamiliar with your work, you're in a, a rap duo by the name of yeah. Royal Ruckus. Yeah. Can you give yeah. me a little insight behind the name? Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a phrase you hear a lot. I don't think you hear it as much in the U.S. as you do, like, overseas, where they're familiar with royalty. But, like, you know, a ruckus is a commotion. So a royal ruckus is, like, an extra big commotion, uh, something more spectacular. Mm-hmm. I like the ring of it, and I, I thought it was memorable. Um, and actually had the name since like high school. Um, I was making beats and writing raps from a very young age, around 12 or 13 is when I started. And, um, Royal Ruckus just like, I just love the sound of it. And I had this grand vision that I'd become like a producer yeah. and it'd be Royal Ruckus Productions. And then it ended up turning into a rap group. So, nice. and a joke rap group, but that we didn't even like set out to do anything serious. We were just trying to have a good time and have some laughs really. Really, and it does stick. I mean, Royal Ruckus, it, it just is something about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, it's kind of funny, I think, because of our longevity as a group, uh, we've been able to maintain it, uh, but there have been several other people with a similar idea, and yeah. um, it, actually, one of, the, one of the groups has cost us at least one show because we got booked at this show in the Midwest, and they thought they were booking a European rock band, and <laughs> when they found out it was just going to be a white guy bouncing around on a stage, uh, rapping some lyrics, they, they were like, Oh, that's not what we do at this venue. Oh, so <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not the norm. Thankfully people, when they book me, they I'll look forward to what they're getting into. So, <laughs> yeah. So what got you into hip hop in general? Was that just always, was there a specific group that you heard that you thought, you know what? I want to do this. Yeah, actually, I, I really think for me, the, the magic moment was not necessarily to decide that I wanted to do it, but to fall in love with the genre yeah. was listening to the first BC Boys. And oh, I was I was way young. My siblings were the ones that introduced me to to License to Ill. Oh, and I didn't understand what half the record was about, but I just thought there was something so amazing in this thing that they were creating. Yeah. And my love for hip hop became insatiable. Um, you know, thankfully, especially, you know, thankfully from my parents' perspective, especially, um, I got turned on by my one of my sister's boyfriends to Christian hip hop, yeah. and uh, that wasn't all I listened to. I listened to both, but um, certainly my parents felt a lot more comfortable with their eight year old <laughs> listening to clean rap, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I definitely like I grew into it, and like I said, by twelve or thirteen, I was I was writing raps, and um, you know by fifteen, I got arrested for doing graffiti because I fully embraced the hip hop thing. Really? Um, but but at the same time too, like I never lost a sense of who I was either. I've always been kind of 
a little bit nerdy and very white, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, that, so I haven't lost that, but right. And that's great, man, because that, that beastie boys record license to ill was just so raw and just so yeah. gritty. Yeah. It had that, that punk rock feel to it, which is what they were before they were a rap group in it, you know, sure. but they carried that into hip hop and it's just like, it was something that was just so crazy for me. It was check your head by them that just oh. passed the mic. And so what you want, it was like, yeah. it blew my mind yeah, yeah. as a kid. Like, what is this? You know, their voices, their vocals right. are distorted. It's just so heavy. It's like, Oh my gosh, they're and, playing their own instruments. It's insane. Exa- exactly. And, and like, I think, I think they just transformed my imagination right. and what we could do. And so like when, I started collaborating with others. I was always very much wanted to be multi-genre. You know, let's bring in a little bit of techno. Oh, you ska fits on this song. Let's let's do something ska influenced. Yeah. And um, I think you know the last few years, you you still feel that in our music, but uh, but I think there's almost like at this point, kind of like the Beastie Boys had. Yeah, there is like a distinct sound that is the Beastie Boys from one song to another, even when it kind of shifts genres and i think i do the same thing oh you do try i could definitely hear those influences in there and i think that's just great and what i do love is is the fact that i don't want to say old school feel but you do have that that boom back feel i mean you got turntables yeah. like that's something you don't hear too often in hip-hop i was talking to jeremiah dirt about a year ago and that's what i, I just yeah. enjoy about his music um recently i actually just purchased a turntable because i'm like i've always wanted to do it since <laughs> i was a kid and i was like you know right. what why have i not ever done this and now i just love it like it's just the yeah. sound of a, a record scratching or like with Beastie Boys, when the beats were so heavy and you have this scratching, it's just, it just does something, yeah. man. It's just like, gosh, I just want to like flip over something or like, you know what I mean? Like Exactly. I, th- I think there are elements uh, that are like foundational to hip hop that yeah. like, we don't have to be insistent on these things being in every song, but um, like the turntables, for example, I mean, this is like the turntables are what gave birth to hip-hop exactly. and people may not realize that right like mm-hmm. rap got started as like a party thing mm-hmm. and it started with a people who had no instruments yeah. and they were taking two turntables so that they could continue the songs so people could dance and have a good time yeah. and they mastered it and and i always want to play pay homage to where we came from and i don't think where we are now is where we have to be forever right a lot of rap music is is uh it, it it's just not palatable for me yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm assuming you don't listen to mumble rap. Not really. No, I, <laughs> no, man. I, you know, can't, I, just, I can't hang with it either. I just can't. Yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't want to like just straight up, you know, hate on all that stuff. Right? right. Like I think it's, it is important that like we are all listening to each other right. and like, uh, especially as an artist, I, I feel a need to find something of value there wherever I can. And, um, when I've been on tour, I've actually been out with some rappers that I probably wouldn't normally listen to, uh, even after hearing them, but like hearing them, meeting them, seeing what they do, I can appreciate it, you know? Yeah. So it changes your your perspective. I mean, hearing, hearing their stories or seeing them, meeting them changes how you think of the music, you know? Exactly. And, and for me, a lot, a lot of it is about thoughtfulness and, um, you know, if, whether you're mumbling or not, if your lyrics are, are just garbage. Yeah. Well, that's, it's not particularly helpful or interesting. Right. Um, it's a style that's a little outside of my comfort zone, but you're saying something. Right. I can really get into that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. The art of story, I think with, with hip hop in general, and like you say, with the origins of hip hop, I mean, it was all storytelling. It's all these, these uh-huh. stories. And in some ways, you know, that's why I think I, I gravitate toward music because it's, it's so far and few between where there's actually a story being told, not like right. how much money you have or how many chicks you have, whatever. Like when you have a story to tell about where yeah. you've come from and stuff like that, I think that's just, it's just incredible. I think that's just the origin. It's well, something and, that. And I think uh, a lot of that, you know, you asked me about influences and stuff and I only mentioned Beastie Boys, but it's so much bigger than that. Right. Like, Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah you know, ice tea and like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, like, yeah. uh, those couldn't be more opposite lyrically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even stylistically, they were very different. But when you listen to their songs, you know, ice tea is one of the most, uh, you know, storytelling songs of rap songs of all time is ice tea talking about cops breaking in at six in the busting in at six in the morning, bust you. Yeah. And he tells a song that you can see it's, it's like, he's narrating a story. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince do the same thing, except instead of cops are talking about girls being 
trouble or parents not understanding them. And it's fun and it draws you in. And uh, I definitely, for me anyway, uh, I feel like storytelling should remain part of the genre of hip hop. And it's definitely something I do a lot of. Yeah, definitely, man. And I want to get into that a little bit with uh, the Royalty Check EP. You released that back in January, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. January 21st. It was uh, Royal Ruckus turned 21. We can drink now. So, <laughs> 21, man. That's, some, that's, that's, that's a feat, man, for sure, to be able to still be doing this, man, and having a great time. Sounds as fresh as ever, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would almost say uh, fresher because – one of the things we did with Royalty Check is we started collaborating with other artists, right? Um, yeah. Not that we, well, I mean, we've always collaborated with other artists, but we're doing this EP series where we are like being more deliberate from one record to another. And, uh, you know, for some, some people may not know uh, the definition of an EP. It's a little shorter than a whole record. And so it gives us like when you're only working with five to seven songs instead of 10 plus. Yeah. Um, you can really make a focused, coherent uh, project. And so with the Royalty Check record, we teamed up with DJ Sean P. Um, he's he's a DJ, a producer, engineer, uh, all around creative extraordinaire out of Texas. And uh, we had worked with him in the past uh, on, on some stuff and just were just really impressed with him as a human being. But his artistry, his professionalism, all of it was just so over the top. Uh, I was like, dude, we actually should probably make a record together. <laughs> and that's, that's how royalty check started. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. What can you say about the process of that album? Were y'all, were you working together or was it, was it something that, that you would work on and you would send to him to later produce or were you working together in the same studio? Right. So, uh, so the way that this one worked is he's in Fort Worth and I'm in South Florida. Okay. And then my partner in Royal Ruckus is in Austin. Texas. So, so they're both in Texas, but they're far enough away that they're not working on it together. And really it was just me and DJ Sean P putting our heads together. And what he would do is he would start crafting the music. And uh, a lot of times because he's the DJ and I told him I really wanted to emphasize that, you know, early to mid nineties, golden era vibe to some extent. Um, I, I had an idea of things I wanted him to be influenced by. Right. And so he did a lot of scratching and, and came up with a lot of the concepts on the choruses. And then I built the songs around it, oh. put our heads together on like the direction I wanted to go. I wanted this song to be, or I wanted this record to be nostalgic yeah. uh, because we were coming up on, well, we started in high school and we were coming up on uh, 20 years. So I had a reunion coming up too, yeah. a high school reunion. So I started thinking about these things and I thought, what what kind of reflections about the past, but also looking toward the future and specifically in our creative endeavors with hip hop, what can we cover? And um, and through that process, we came up with not only the concept of royalty check, double meaning, by the way, yeah. you know, we, we get a royalty check uh, when, when we get our money, yeah. uh, but also it, it was sort of a self check. We're royal ruckus. So it was a self check of us, the, yeah. the royalty uh, where we, we reflect. Yeah. And uh, that that's kind of that's kind of how it went. And it just went back and forth. And then uh, when we had the record ready, uh, I flew out there, um, flew to Austin and and Mike and I, as a group, uh, took a road trip together to Fort Worth and spent several days recording the record with Sean. That's great. It was was awesome. So you talk about reunions. Was there anyone from high school who maybe that you run into and they're like, wait, you're still doing Royal Ruckus after all these years. Is it a surprise <laughs> to them that you have this longevity in your rap career? Yeah. It, it, it's funny too, because we got, we got a really nice feature in the uh, yearbook way back then. They did, they gave us like a whole page or half a page or something <laughs> like that. And uh, you know, I think from the, from our thinking at the time, as well as everyone else is like, Oh, this is their fun rap group in high school. Yeah. Um, but when we didn't stop, doing it and we started touring and then like we we had a record deal for a while and you know whatever it didn't it it, it didn't uh it didn't make us super famous or anything but it was an incredible experience yeah. um so for us it like just became a part of our lives and even though we we went on hiatus for a while coming back to it people still remember yeah. and uh I, I was actually just listening to kj52 um 
he, he's a rapper and a, and a pal of mine talking about his longevity and his career. And he's had like a much more active career than us. Right. But it's been approximately a little bit longer than ours. But he's starting to see, and I'm seeing this too, he's starting to see these people who were teenagers when he was coming out. They're now introducing like their kids uh, to it. Or may, even if they don't have kids, they might even be just going like getting nostalgic. Right. And being yeah. like, you know, I really love that record by Royal Ruckus when I was, you know, a sophomore. I'm going to go look at that again. Yeah. And, uh, man, one of the coolest experiences I had was this dude, Zach. Um, I was back on tour for the first time, and I was playing a small town in Tennessee, and he came out. He'd been listening to us since high school. It was his 30th birthday. Nice. And I was, like, just yeah. so, like, the only thing that mattered to me that night was him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was so cool. So, that is awesome, uh, man. I, I I think with the high school, the people that I went to high school with, I think they're a little more baffled by it. Yeah. Because like, uh, you you know, it's like it's it's hard to take people seriously when you grew up with them. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I definitely. So understand so that. like like our second independent record was called "Love Us or Leave Us," because yeah. our first one, so many of our friends gave us crap. Yeah. Three white boys telling jokes, writing rhymes. We got teased so much. We didn't know how to embrace it yet, you know, and uh, I, I think in the embrace of the quirkiness and all of that, I think was actually um, what's made us want to keep doing it. I think one, one of the light bulbs that went on for me was when I was trying to go back out on tour and stuff, I started going to open mics and I had a bad attitude about it at first. It was pride. You know, it was something that I needed to let go of. I thought, you know, I've played, I've been paid big money to well, whatever, you know, like right. oh, yeah. get over yourself. You're just a guy. Like, yeah. um, so I started going to these open mics where people had no pretense. Right. They just got up there and they shared their heart and their art and everybody, um, and this one mic in particular, open mic in particular is maybe like 15 minutes from my house. It is such an embracing community that not only did I like reclaim my confidence in rapping. Um, I also learned to like, appreciate doing art for art's sake yeah and um yeah that's that's been a huge benefit really for me it's it's enough to make the music right there's one song on royalty check that kind of you know you were saying earlier oh. you had a you had a theme with yeah uh, with connecting these uh these eps and sure. say the word um you recently released a video for and while while listening to it i i was I guess I didn't catch on lyrically about what it was about. I guess I was more focused on the beat and I kind of re listened to it and examined the lyrics and hearing it, man, it just made me listen to the song. Like it just made me have, have so much more of a appreci an appreciation for what you do because here you are talking about say the word, like, Hey, just call on me when you know, you have this friend who's contemplating suicide and, you know, just, um, yeah feeling down and stuff like that and you making yourself available to this person and i just thought that was great man i think it's it's easy to miss it if you're only listening to the beat because the the song feels so uplifting and positive it does yeah so like to say oh yeah my song about suicide's about to come out like that <laughs> sounds so heavy and difficult yeah. but what what sean and i really wanted to do with this song was to create something that was hopeful um but to not imagine that we can give the answers in two and a half minutes. Mm. Like I can't, I can't sing how to save you from suicide right. in two and a half minutes. I can't help you get your life back in tr on track in two and a half minutes. Mm. But in that two and a half minutes or three minutes or however long it is, what we do communicate in that time um, is we almost illustrate what, what it's, what it looks like to be a friend. Yeah. And true friendship is not simply somebody that you go and have a good time with. It's somebody who's there for you, um, even when stuff is is tough. Right. And so, in this particular song, you know, essentially what happens is I I get contacted by uh, a friend. I get a text message from a friend saying he's thinking about taking his own life. And and the what follows from there is basically my end of the conversation in. Um, trying to give him hope and the promise that I am here with him, beside him, right? Yeah. Um, and you won't find in my lyrics, I mean, I'd have to look a little more closely, I guess, and think about it, but I don't think you find me giving any sort of, you know, platitudes or simplistic answers. Right. 
there's nowhere that I say, hey, everything's going to be fine if you just stop it. Because yeah. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Pain doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I think and, even in the lyrics, you say that. Like, you're not trying to offer a platitude, but just, you know, right. you're just there for this person. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, I think most platitudes are, are like, well-meaning, right? Because we don't encounter this stuff every day. And when we do, it's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and I think people, yeah, I mean, whether it, whether it's a death, um, or it's a depression or emotions, I think there, um, or a loss of a job, yeah. people often don't know what to say and they don't like the awkward silence. So they just fill it with nice words. Yeah. And that's well-meaning, but that's not necessarily what we need. Sometimes we need just, I get it, bro. This is a hard thing for you to bear. Yeah. And I'm here. Not all, sometimes you don't have the right things to say. Sometimes we don't have the, the right words in that moment. And the best thing you could do is just sit with someone and just let them pour their heart out to you, you know? Yeah. And just showing yeah. that you're there. Yeah, it, exactly. And then going back to that, that those early stages of rap, because the next track back in effect, you kind of talk yeah. about, you talk about, um, kind of like, uh, just some of your lyrics here. Got my little start in the golden era of rap. Northeast Bakerfield Junior High Schoolyard Scraps Tupac and Biggie Tribe Had Me Picky Playing With Fire Youth Group Church Camp Hickeys Dude I laugh so hard at that I'm thinking like Church Camp Hickeys That's hilarious But <laughs> Dude that's like But it is man It's like that Kind of that, that That homage to To what influenced you And you know Yeah I'm pretty sure The crazy Church uh, Camp life You know what I mean Yeah No it, it Well and <laughs> Part of the reason I even brought Church Camp into that that song, because that song is like me looking back on uh, the foundation, the beginnings of Royal Ruckus and, and stuff. But it's also just a fun song that people can groove out to. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's one of my favorite songs these days to perform. Um, I've got some call and response things. People really, really enjoy it. But the Church Camp Hickey's line is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> first of all, Chun Jae is my rapper name. Right. Right. And. It's a Korean name that basically means uh, clever man, give or take. Somebody out there who knows Korean that's listening to this may be able to help me uh, <laughs> a little bit all these years later because it's kind of become its own character and name. But that was given to me in high school uh, because actually my other rap name is Clever MC. Oh, okay. So I just got tired of people not being able to say Clever. They would see it and they'd go, oh, Cleva. Like cleavage or a cleaver, like a knife. I'm like, no, no. So I eventually sw switched to Chun Jay. But like, yeah, Royal Records was literally like we, you know, I got Chun Jay, you know, Club MC got started in at church camp. And then like Royal Ruckus, we like literally have rapped at church camps. And uh, I actually rapped it at um, a church camp this summer, even. Nice. You know, I don't do a lot of church shows, but I had the opportunity and, and did it. Yeah. So it kind of felt natural. Yeah. So to pay pay tribute to that and the, those little gray area things of goofing around at church camp right you know it was i'm funny. not encouraging people to give hickeys at church camp do not <laughs> do not this is not prescriptive that is funny but the, the the same time you know what it reminded me of because the first time i heard it there was an interview i saw with conan o'brien that he did with uh, nick offerman and Nick Offerman okay. was talking about that, saying how he used to date this church girl. And he's like, man, you can learn a lot from those church girls. And it, then it's like you said that in your rap. But I'm like, oh, dude, it's like I could just see Nick Offerman's face at that moment of like, yeah, Nick Offerman said the same thing. You can learn a lot from uh, girls who go to church camp and all these things. It's just like that's kind of what that's, I guess, why it stuck out to me. And I just laughed so hard when I heard it because it's like, oh, my gosh. I myself I love never been the connection so much. What's that? <laughs> Nick Offerman connection. I love that connection you made. Oh, dude, great. yeah, because it's like just hearing that, it's like I just bust out laughing. I'm like, wait, hold on, let me go back. And then I listen to yeah. it again. It's like, oh, just hearing him talk about that and and uh yeah, just kind of sure. put it into perspective, dude. It was just so funny. Well, and that that song may also be the only rap song in existence that talks about the Mormon wagon train that went across the United States. Um I caught I that. I caught that line where it was something about your uncle, like what Mormon. Oh man, what did he get? I don't know. I can't. I can't think of it right now. But yeah, it was something I, like that. I I pack in some. Um, I'm actually gonna do a podcast episode on this with with a guy that has a lot of uh, historical stuff on the Mormons. It's gonna be really fun. Yeah. But um, 
ba- basically my my family history was was actually involved in the Mormon movement. I I was not raised Mormon, but right. um, but like that was a big part of our story. We came over from England. We were the wagon train people. Wow! But with like the Mormon train, they have their own trail. Like you can, yeah. it's historical. You can go find this. So wow. uh, I thought it'd be fun to include some of that stuff because it's like Mormonism brought me to California. Like that's weird, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's my family's history, you know. Yeah. So. And I would like to talk about your podcast as well, but uh, there's one more track on the album sure. on Royalty Check, Jump Around, a House of Pain cover. I just thought that was yeah. really unique to throw that in there. Once again, throwing it, homage at the uh, the classics. Right. Yeah, I, I just felt like, um, I've well, I I like the idea of doing covers, right? So yeah. taking someone else's song and putting your own touch to it. And I've always had like a, an ongoing list of songs that, in a you know in another time or if i get enough time i'd love to cover yeah. and um in fact my uh my buddy pigeon john has said used to say uh that we should do humpty dance royal ruckus yeah. would be great to do humpty dance Dude, yeah. but i could never figure out a way for us to do humpty dance without scandalizing 90 percent of our listeners so um <laughs> So that, that that was off the table. So when we decided to do, do like a slightly cleaned up version of Jump Around and DJ Sean P was on on board with it, uh, you know, it's actually really easy to cover a song, um, like as far as legally. Right. In the United States, you can all you really have to do is fill out the right paperwork and make mm-hmm. sure you pay uh, according to the terms. But so it, it was super easy to do. And uh, we've had a blast with it. It's well received at shows. And um, yeah, I I even made a music video. People could check it out on YouTube. Royal Ruckus Jump Around, where I, where I took their actual original music video and remixed it so it would fit with our song. Oh so, man, that's incredible! It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and hearing about the Humpty Dance, I thought, yeah, that'd be great. And then I started thinking of some of the lyrics. I'm like, yeah, maybe right? not. Then maybe not. But you know, maybe the hook. I don't know. Something like I don't know. <laughs> maybe like rewrite the verses and like have the hook. I don't know. But yeah, had to think about that for a second. Like, yeah, that would yeah. be perfect. That would totally fit your style. And then. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe not, you know? Well, it's, it's funny. Some of my early rap songs when I was like 12, you know, I was literally rewriting existing rap songs. Yeah. Like I, I remember it was awful, but like, you know, I remember even taking like Cypress Hill and trying to make some of their songs Christian, like, you know, clean them up and make them Christian so I could rap them in front of my family. And well, yeah, I mean, like that's. (laughs) That's a great way to learn, honestly. Yeah. Leading into your new release, the Unexpected Joy yeah. EP, how was how was the creative process for that? Yeah, so this one was a little different because um, it kind of came from several strands. And uh, without going into all the, the details, um, you know, really the seed of the record was our song, He Spread His Arms. And it's like a 15-year-old song. And it was very special to me. We we wrote it one day sitting in the, the country in Tennessee with a friend. It was Mike, me and Mike and a buddy of ours. And Plative, it was probably the most explicitly Christian song I'd ever written. And not in just a like Jesus, my buddy kind of way. Like there's some depth to it. Mm-hmm. And but it never got beyond the demo stage. Now, we did release it. Um, a version of it is on our album Rumors of Our Demise that came out in 2011. But that whole album, the recording quality and everything is a little lower. It's it, w- it was completely recorded at home. Yeah. And um, so fast forward to the present. I had an opportunity to be on uh, Christian television rapping. And I was thinking about my current batch of songs and how many songs talk about having cocktails and uh, having a beer and, you know, th- whatever, things that reflect my reality today um, that don't necessarily get put on Christian television. I thought, you know, I should probably give them something that's more like the content they're looking for. Yeah. So I got this great idea to because um, I fresh off of working a royalty check EP with DJ Sean P. I thought I should hit up Sean and see if he would like to remix this track and I'll tighten up the lyrics and we'll, we'll have a single. Nice. Well, we did all that and I did the performance and <clears throat> his version of the song was, I just felt so powerful and it get, you know, it made it almost a completely different song. It was this brand new song. It felt like, and I had a couple other projects that I've been working on 
that are longer term projects. And there were songs there though, that I wasn't sure how well they would fit because they were a little heavy. Right. And then the light bulb unexpectedly went on that these songs should go together and maybe we could fill it out with a few more songs now that we have a vision for what this is going to be about. And um, on top of that, I kind of tied in some of my theological and uh, faith uh, background, and I'm, I'm what they call an Orthodox Christian. Uh, I go to a Greek Orthodox church here in, in uh, South Florida, and we have this icon. An icon is like a, a religious painting that... that um, you know, it's often of Christ or some of the saints or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there is an icon called the icon of unexpected joy. And um, I'll go as deep as you want on this, but I'll just for now is say um, it just felt like everything came together for this record. Yeah. And now this one was not simply sitting down with like one other person. Like I had a team that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of my baby here. And, I had a team that I worked with both locally and in Texas, and then a couple guest artists, KJ52, and then my buddy Nota Verbs uh, up in Tennessee. And it was, it came out to be the most Christian record that I've ever done. Hmm. But I think it's done in such a way that I, I don't know. I'm just looking, I'm, I'm really looking forward over the coming months to see how people uh, are receiving it. Um, so far, it's been pretty well received. Yeah. But it's a heavy record. Uh, it's sort of the journey from death to resurrection, really. There is a bit of a stark contrast lyrically b- between what was going on in Royalty Check to Unexpected Joy. And it's great. I mean, the opening track, There Is No God, where you're feeling this abandonment from God, even asking, are you looking from, are you looking like some fan up in the stands as if God is looking at, you know, this trauma, this, this pain, and he's just a, just, watching on and not really getting involved, not wanting to get his hands dirty, you know, and how many times have people felt like that in general, where it's like, okay, God, anytime you want to intervene, that would be great. And and even in the lyrics, the world's in despair, people living on the streets, children without fathers, religious teachers who mislead, like, like God, all the villains are in control here. We're kind of suffering. Like, where are you? Like, how many, how many people, I mean, especially with this show and, and the things that we talk about on this show, the trauma, the experiences of, of abandonment in general. I mean, so many people can relate to that. Yeah, I, I think the album really came at an interesting time because things have been going extraordinarily well in my life. Um, but really between Royalty Check and the release of Unexpected Joy, despite things going extraordinarily well, um, I've had a an extreme discontent about things. Um, and, and I mean, just like up close and personal, they're going well, cause other crazy things are happening. Um, you know, like for example, I do have a line in there where I mention a friend of mine, uh, who passed of cancer last year and, um, he's, you know, he was a collaborator with us. He's on, uh, one of our songs and, you know, we, we, we had a deep bond and, and to lose him at such a young age to cancer. Um, and, and to think of my own experiences losing my father as a child, you know, uh, my, well, I'll, I'll say his name, his rapper name was Jay Quest. And, you know, he left behind a, a three or four year old little boy who was named after him. And, you know, that really took me back to my own experiences um, as being the child, right? And yeah. a lot of that really, really shook me um, last year. And, I would say I didn't know what the word depression meant until last year. Hmm. Um, I, I, I've, I know what sadness is. I've had plenty of that, you know, but last year I think I experienced a true depression. And, um, so the songs that I was writing and interested in writing were tending to be heavier, um, tending to be more of that grasping and reaching out for something to hold onto. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because like, I just got engaged by the way, uh, back in April and I'm excited and I have a wonderful fiance and I have so many things to be excited about and hopeful about, but sometimes the heaviness of the world, uh, can stifle the joy even in those things. Oh yeah. And I, I would find myself, I'm sorry, I'm getting so existential here and not really answering the, uh, the song question, but no man. Like gosh, it's good. it 
sometimes like I, I, I was thinking the other night, like there is so much pain in the world mm-hmm. that the only way we can survive is to not think about all of it at the same time. Right. And when I was writing this record, there was so much pain that my friends had experienced and my relatives and other loved ones. And it was just on my mind constantly in a way that I couldn't let go of it. And, uh, writing this record in many ways was, um, survival. And, and I don't don't want to be too, too dramatic about it, but like it, it really felt like survival to, to write these songs. And there are, there are other songs that were written during this period that will eventually probably see the light of day that might even be a little darker. Um, but I think it was a necessary, uh, necessary thing for me. And, with this song in particular, the There Is No God, um, I, I want to also say I struggled. Um, I, I've been a lifetime believer in the Christian God, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of lost that for a little bit yeah. in the midst of my depression. And uh, I, I think it was uh, Mike Iaconelli, uh, he He's written a couple books. The, the late Mike Iaconelli said something like, some days uh, he wakes up and he doesn't know where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually paraphrase that line in say the word. Um, I, I, I say something about that. I must confess some days I don't, I don't know where Jesus is, something like that. And um, I think I understood it better actually after royalty check came out because some days I would wake up and go, there's no God in heaven. Mm-hmm. Life is all pain. Yeah. And it's all meaningless. And nihilism made so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Nihilism is a hell of a story to live out. And yeah. I, I, it's, it's not the, it's not the answer. Uh, unless, unless what you're looking for is pain, more pain on top of the pain. So, but yeah, man, I've been there myself, man, where it's just struggling with your faith. Like there isn't, there's no point. Like I was in that, I was in that phase, man. It's crazy. Cause you say last year, it was about a little over a year ago where I was like that. Like even my kids like dad, uh, we want prayers at night. And I'm like, literally just like, what does it matter? Like what difference yeah. does it make? You know? Yeah. And hate to even put that on them, but it's like, just, that was my, there was no filter. It just right. came out where it was like, why? I mean, y'all just go to bed. You know, it's just like, just go to bed. There's, there's, no point. And my wife was like, okay, you need to stop. Like whatever you're going through, you just need to stop. But it is, I mean, you go through those moments where it's like, okay, God, like haven't you taken enough? Haven't you allowed enough to be taken away from, from us and, yeah. and yeah. so much pain. And then, you know, when you get calls with other people dealing with this and it's like, okay, like when, when is there an end? Is there a means to an end? I mean, is this just how it is, you know, and yeah. this is it until yeah. you die. And then, you know, oh man, but that's the things that people need to be honest about though. Cause like you said, even as a quote unquote Christian rapper, like you have to be even David when he's writing the songs, like feels abandoned by God. He feels rejected. And, and then the next Psalm he's praising God for never abandoning him and always being there. And it's just like, wait, but it, it is those things. I think even as, as songwriters, as musicians, storytellers in general to, let people know it is okay to question. It is okay to have doubts. It is okay to go through these things and it's absolutely normal. And I think the problem is we don't normalize that, that pain. We, we make it seem like we're the only ones in the entire universe who is going through this, you know, and not realizing so many people are, and we just need to talk about it. It's, it's a far more universal experience than we realize. Yeah. Like when we are in our own pain, we think I must be the only one who's feeling this way. Yeah. And, and, and it's not even just sad stuff. It's also like bad stuff we've actively done. Yeah. Like if you've harmed someone or you've harmed yourself yeah. in some way, um, you, and you might think you're the only one who's done this awful thing. Mm-hmm. You're not, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like, and I, I, I think that's so difficult for us to wrap our minds around and accept. Yeah. And I think we, we also are afraid that people are going to reject us if, you know, I mean, and there, there, there is, right. There is a way to be obnoxious with it. Like 
you don't walk into a birthday party and go, Hey, how's everybody doing? You know, also my grandma died right before I walked in. Right. Like, and, and, and ruin the party, right? Like they, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a place, yeah. but, and, and that place is usually with, with friends, yeah. you know, uh, and, or counselors or, or whatever, but there's always a place. Yeah. And we should go into that place with confidence. We should find that place and then go in with confidence. Right. That's good stuff, man. And for, for artists, it's on a stage where sometimes we just kind of bleed out on stage and we just kind of right. leave it up there, you know? <laughs> and then the next, the next song, um, well, more of like a commentary, I, I would assume yeah. more like a spoken word will be the next track on belief in God. So it's yeah. kind of like in the first, the first song you're hearing this, this doubt and all of this, but then you turn it around. It's like on belief in God. And it was actually done by Jordan Peterson. And yeah. the beat was done by Crum, which is also a great artist as well. He's a. Uh, oh so, yeah. So but, was that intentional to kind of put in those? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say interludes, but basically, you know. Yeah. So so they they do they do kind of feel like what would classically be termed interludes, uh, but there is kind of this emerging sort of genre of uh, what uh, Kira the Don calls meaning wave, um, where you're taking clips of, you know, someone speaking on a, an interview or something like that, and you're putting it over a beat. It can be an interlude, but it can also be bigger than that. So, like, this is, you know, an interlude is usually going to be, you know, a minute or, or two. This is a good two and a half minutes. Yeah. And and the reason it's so long is it almost is a song, and there's repetition in it. Yeah. And, um, and there's a message there. And it is not going from there is no God to... Now you have to believe in God. No, you know, the second thing is, and Jordan Peterson uh, has a lot of great stuff out there. He, he's a, a psychologist or whatever from Canada, and he basically goes around speaking um, about whatever he wants to speak about, telling people to clean their rooms and stuff like that. But it's actually kind of amazing. And people are always trying to pin him down. You know, Jordan, do you believe in God? And the, the big thing that, that he says is, He's like a, almost afraid to say whether he believes in God or not because he says what matters most is where when belief becomes action. What matters most is when you do the things that you believe. So if you believe in God, show it. And so he won't really answer whether he believes in God or not, but he will say he lives like there is one. And so, the you know, I, I don't want to give away the farm on the album, but I'll say this much uh, on that. Part of the reason that's there is that's there to kind of almost be a placeholder to say that sometimes it's okay to not be sure. Yeah, absolutely. But you should still live according to what you, in your heart, is is the right path, the path of righteousness, you know. Um so oh, yeah. that, there's that much. No, no, it's really good. And that's why I say I don't want to downplay it as the interlude. That's why I, I wasn't sure what to call it. It was like, sure. it's not necessarily a, a typical song, but there, there's meaning there. But it, it's 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 far better than in an interlude. It's not even kind of like a segue into the next one. It's more like, wow, this is it's really good. And well, to not put a claim on it, because if he would say, yes, I believe in God. Well, now Christian psychologist or whatever. Whatever his title is, it'll all of a sudden be attached to something. Or if he says he doesn't believe in God, oh, well, then atheist, you right. know, it, it'll, you know. And and I want to say I that track is very important, uh, I, I feel like, for the record. And, you know, I I paid, you know, I'm friends with Crumb or whatever, but I paid him for that production. And that was originally going to be a song. I had a vision for that, for me to, to rap over and sing over it and all that stuff. Um but when this and and it was really supposed to be on a different completely different record but when we were working on this record it just came together that way if that makes sense no yeah so and then in the next track i sent you these i love uh i love just like honest lyrics and i know we get and like you say i mean not to say that's all doom and gloom but i just sure. like the honesty to all the people struggling to make ends meet, sacrificing for your kids to keep your family on its feet. To my brothers raising kids when your lady left the fam. To the ladies standing strong when your man broke up the plan. Like how, I mean, even in our society and in our culture, that's the norm, you know, yeah. isn't it? I mean, and when you're addressing yeah. these things, I mean, to a, 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 you're speaking to 
a man or a woman just struggling to make ends meet, doing everything you can when you, you're yeah. going through these different things of feeling this abandonment, like we talked about. And I just love right. the fact that all of this is addressed in here, but you also say we've got the faith and we've got the hope. You, you make that known that look, there, there is a struggle, but there's also a hope. And I just love how you, you yeah. put that in there. Well, I, I appreciate that. That, that was a, um, that was a special song for me too, because I, in trying to find some, some equilibrium and peace, uh, I was trying to think of who are the people that I admire that are not the people that are on TV and held up in the press as the heroes. They're not the people that necessarily get the shout out, even in our churches. They're the people who are struggling to be faithful, but in that struggle, that is the faithfulness. Um, you know, there are people that are sacrificing their own well-being for others. Um, you know, by the end of the song, I, I mentioned something about big sisters who are actually an aunt. You know, we're talking about yeah. families where you're an aunt, but your little brother is, you know, your nephew is really like your little brother because your family's raising him. You know, like, right. uh, and, you know, for me, like when I rap these lyrics, you know, on some of the lines, I'm seeing particular people in my in my mind, right. but I'm not going to shout them out because that's not universal enough. So yeah. I want you to hear the song and I want you to hear the people that you love, or I want you to hear yourself in it. Yeah. yeah. And I do. And that's why I think it just resonates so well. Well, thanks and it, and it, for the listeners. There's a twist ending at the end too. So listen <laughs> for that. If you get a chance, <laughs> is that in the track? I'm yours forever featuring KJ five, two and no to verbs. Uh, no, no, that uh, the, the twist is actually in the, in the song I sent you. Oh, these. it's in the song. Okay. The okay. very last line. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Nice, man. And, uh, and, and actually fun, fun fact, since we're talking music, um, I, that one was actually recorded at like the vocals were recorded at like two in the morning in my closet <laughs> and I was going to recut them up the street at this studio I've been working at and the, the delivery just felt and the, the emotional intensity of it at that two in the morning session just seems so right. So we left it. You can't, you can't even, I, I don't think you can even tell the difference between that and the one we, the vocals we did in the professional studio. Really? So. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting, man. That's great to know. I'm yours forever. Yes. With KJ five, two and no to verbs. After listening yeah. to that track, man, I had to go look up no to verbs, man. Like I was just, uh, I really enjoyed his wordplay on that track. Oh my gosh, it was it's such a strong verse. And, uh, you know, the, the idea behind the whole song in general, but I think he really captured it well in that verse is that like, no matter uh, the, the idea we we're trying to capture in our, our song is no matter where we go, you know, God is still there. Yeah. And even when we try to actively escape him. So he's talking about Luke Cage resistance and like, it's just really powerful. Um, wordplay and if you if you just listen to it, you just think it's fun yeah but if you listen real closely he's actually being pretty profound so yeah that that i felt like the song or the the record was that was the last song that we decided to do or second to last song and um the record was just heavy enough and royal ruckus usually tells a lot of jokes yeah. and i thought this needs some fun stuff is there a way we could make a song that would still be fun um, well, still captured this, but be more fun. And out of the blue, Mike sent me that, that beat and it was so fire. I was like, I've got to find the right people to go with this. And KJ and Nota Verbs are rappers in the Christian industry that I've known for like 20 years or all, not, not quite a little less for Nota Verbs. Um, and we even went on tour with KJ five, two in Maui a long time ago. Um, I used to serve coffee to Nota Verbs at Starbucks in, in <laughs> Nashville. You know, he, he rolls with the grits guys um, yeah. and is part, part of their extended crew and stuff. And I've just known these guys for a long time, and it just seemed the right time to collaborate with them. And they were super easy to work with and fun to work with. That's incredible, man. And so with finding, let's talk about that for a little bit, maybe collaborating. How, how does yeah. that come about with finding the right people for the right track? Yeah, you know, I've I've taken different ways, and I'll, I will say I've found, um, especially with Summer of the Cicadas, we had something like twenty six guest artists on our <laughs> double record, 
that came out in 2017. Yeah. And um, to get that many people involved, I learned some things not to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you just send somebody a batch of songs and say, pick one to be on it, yeah. you're not likely to get a good response depending on the person. But <laughs> I found taking that approach was really hard to get anybody. Yeah. But if I had a particular vision for a song that seemed to fit well with that person, um, and then you just approach, I mean, what are people going to do? Say no. Yeah. Ignore yeah. you. Like that's literally like the worst thing that could happen if someone ignores you. Yeah. So, um, so like, you know, Eli of living legends, he's like the biggest rapper I've probably I've had on any, any record. I've done two songs with him yeah. and we do have mutual friends, which helped, yeah. but I straight up just sent him an email Yeah. and the timing was right. So, you know, uh, with, with these guys, I've been friends with them forever. And I think I get in my own head when I, when I do guest spots, like I just worry that people are going to think I'm not a good enough rapper to, you know, whatever. Like I get in my own head with goofy stuff Yeah. and it turns out that like, it's more in my head than anything. And if, if you lead with confidence and friendliness and kindness, people are, uh, often very happy to find a way to work together. Right. Especially creative types. We like to work together. Right. We, you get energy when you work with other people. Like they bring something to the table, you bring something to the table, and together you're better than apart. Right. Yeah. And like you said, the worst they could say is no or they ignore you. It's kinda of like the same thing with this podcast. It's like, hey, why not take a chance and just put it out there? Right. I mean, the worst Absolutely. they can possibly do is just ignore you or just say no, I don't want to be on your show. Okay. Well yeah. then you you know, it's no yeah. hard feelings. You just you just move on and on to the next person. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. So being that, of course, it is the Creative Coping Podcast, what other ways besides music do you creatively cope outside of music? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I think it's important. First of all, I think music is obviously its own coping, creative coping mechanism, right? Like it's a good thing. Um, but I... I try to be involved socially with, with people and, you know, this manifests in a couple of ways. You know, I, I have a faith community I'm a part of, um, that, that is very uplifting and very much a part of what gives me strength. And sometimes that is a source of anxiety too, but, um, you can also withdraw a little bit and, and come back. Um, but really the, the big thing that's really helped with my sanity has been the Samson society which is an informal group of uh, Christian men. But I mean, anybody, any, any men would be welcome at the Samson society. Um, I, j I just think only Christians would want to stay because of the prayers and things like that. It would just be weird if you didn't share in that it would be uncomfortable for you probably. Um, but the, the point is Samson is like a, a support group for men that does not, single us out for any particular reason other than we're men who struggle in this world. Yeah. Um, now it, it tends to be viewed as like the, uh, kind of the porn support group, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, and it's great for that. Like if, if people are porn and sex addiction and all that stuff, if that's something someone's struggling with, we have tools within that, that can help work, uh, work through that. But, what I like to say is Sam society is cheaper than, uh, cheaper than therapy and there's beer afterward. <laughs> and basically we meet once a, once a week to talk yeah. and we talk about whatever it is that's commanding our attention at the time. Right. And for me, you know, it might be something I'm, I'm going through. Yeah. Um, it might be something I'm thinking about. Um, or there's sometimes even seasons where I don't necessarily feel like going, but I go anyway because I'm not just there for me. Um, I'm also there for my brothers and, you know, we talk about deep stuff. I've, you know, I've dealt with, um, some of the deeper issues. And in fact, in, in the last couple of years, I've probably talked more about my issues surrounding fathers mm. and my, my stepdad who raised me and I call him dad. Um, you know, but also my father who died when I was two. You know, a lot of stuff that I had from way back, I wasn't sorting out, but in the company of friends, yeah. uh, we were, we were able to, to really sort through that. Um, uh, therapy also helps. I, I don't think there's any shame in going to therapy. 
I think sometimes people think that's only for broken people, but I got news for you. We're all kind of broken. So um, really, I think it's more important to be mentally uh, well than it is to worry about stigma uh, of some sort. Yeah. I have a therapist. I'm not afraid to mention that. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it, you go as you need to. Right. Um, but there's also little things you can do that you don't have to necessarily pay someone for or go to a meeting. Um, I find audiobooks and podcasts carefully selected have been very helpful. Jordan Peterson's been a huge help for me getting out of my own head. He's got a podcast and all kinds of things. Um, but also like, I, I get, I, I guess the last two things we'll say is like journaling is huge. I don't keep, a uh, an ongoing long journal, but I have an app. And when I have a thought that I just ugh, can't get it out of my head, I go ahead and just journal about it. Um, or like, you know, I talked a little bit about my, my depression and struggles with, with faith in God. And like, if I have these moments of clarity regarding that, or I have a moment where like, maybe I prayed and it felt like I prayed more truly than I have in a very long time. And it wasn't just words to do it. Right. Um, I'll write that down. And it's amazing what happens when you go back and look and you can see how far you've come. Um, and you can see thought patterns that are creeping back in or whatever. Um, but the, the, the last thing I would say related to that is also, I think I've found a lot of strength in like memorizing quotes, yeah. um, or sayings. And, you know, these might be Bible verses or whatever, but like, there were really two things that got me through last year. Uh, one of them, I don't even remember the source, but it was grief is not a problem to be solved uh, as much as it is an experience to be tended. That was very powerful for me because I was treating grief like I had to solve it. I was treating my pain like I had to solve it. And when I realized, no, this is an experience that you tend, that you manage, then I was like, okay, well then, if my task is management of this grief rather than eradicating it, making it go away, I I can do that. Yeah. Um, and then the next step for me was actually a Jordan Peterson quote where he said that life can be meaningful enough to justify its suffering. Hmm. And that was very powerful for me because I thought, okay, well, so this, this ex accepts suffering. Yes. Suffering is going to be something we all experience. Yeah. But can we work on making life meaningful enough that that suffering, that price of admission of suffering is worth it? Not every time, but I think we, we can. I think we can work that way. And those two things uh, really freed me up in a major way. Because then I, I wasn't trying to make the suffering go away. I was just trying to, to handle it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's and, a great way and to look at it. I, I, th I think that almost like it, it's tempting to look at that like, oh, it's just pain management. So he's not really dealing with it. No, I think actually when you start doing pain management, then you can deal with it. Yeah. Because if you're not managing the pain, it's just, it's too hard. It's too loud. It's yeah. too noisy, you know? So th those are the things that, that really helped me. And, and it's like you have, you, you have to stick with it too. Like I can't just go to Samson once and expect it to fix my life. Right. You go again and again and again, and you do it in tiny doses. I mean, for an analogy, this is true of medicine. Like if your iron levels are low, for example, mm -hmm. and you're sluggish, you, you have to take iron supplements for months in the tiniest doses. Mm -hmm. And those tiny doses add up over a long time. You can't just take what you're deficient in. Your body, it, you can't handle that. Right. So we have to do it in small doses, manageable doses. And I think that's the thing with going back to culture. It's like we want that quick fix, man. We just want to be, like you said, the right. pain be eradicated, the grief be eradicated. And we don't realize that we might have to wrestle with this for a while. And when, where there are ways yeah. to combat it in yeah. a healthy way. And, yeah. but it's just to keep the pain at bay. It's not to let it overwhelm you and destroy you. It's, it's managing yeah. that. And I think that's just a real powerful thing for yeah. you to have to have said that. It's good stuff. Well, I appreciate that. 
And I, and I think it's important to say, it's important to say out loud. And let, let me actually add that because I think saying things out loud is important. Yeah. We get, we get, especially in pain, we get stuck in our own head sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I have a tendency to overthink things and, um, and, and overthink pain specifically um, or, or uncomfortable things. And sometimes when I say those things, I'm overthinking out loud to a trusted friend. I realize uh, that either I am saying the right thing or maybe I'm going too far. And then it's like, oh, I heard that because we we don't we don't think well only in our heads. We have to put it on paper or we have to put it out loud. Right. It's just the the human condition, the way we're made. Like we we really do think out loud, even if that's on paper. We think out loud. Yeah. And even like you said about journaling, sometimes it's good to wear. Yeah. You have those moments where everything's well and you're you're writing it down. And when you are having those crappy yeah. days where you go back and you realize, oh, there's something written there that was great and was inspiring to you at that moment. And you can kind yeah. of reflect on that. Like, oh, everything wasn't always so bad. And, you, you know, you don't have to magnify the pain. It helps to, you know, um, take the focus off of the pain a little bit. You know, when you do yeah, journal absolutely. those things down and you realize, well, I did have good days because some days it gets bad. And then you think, well, all of my days have been bad because, you know, but when you can look back in your journal and see how far you've come, you know, it helps. It's, it's very cathartic. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. And, uh, you had mentioned podcasts earlier. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast, Brews, Beards and Shipwrecks. How did that uh, come about? (laughs) That is a, uh, an interesting title for a podcast. So I, I, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and I'm I'm actually starting a uh, I'm I'm going to start a new season where the format's going to change a little bit and I think it'd actually be great to have you on sometime. Oh man, um, I would be honored. So what what I like to do with Bruise Beards and Shipwrecks is, um, you know, there's some light-hearted stuff about it, right? So we do sometimes talk about having beers or other kinds of brews, even you know, even a coffee is a brew, right? Right. Uh, we talk about what you know a little bit about fun normal things like mm-hmm. like drinks, but uh, and food and tacos. I like talking about tacos. It's not in the title, oh, dude, but heck yeah, tacos are always great, right? I'd love to go on and talk about tacos. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so like th- we talk about fun stuff, but uh, and beards. You know, of course, I have one. You have one. You have a great beard, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so you know, we we talk about fun stuff, but the real thing that that I love to talk about on the show is shipwrecks. Yeah. And the idea of a shipwreck is that we've all We've all, if we are alive at all in this world and we're more than two days old, um, no, it's probably even true of those. We've all survived a shipwreck. Mm. We've all been through something difficult that, that we survived. And I like to hear people's stories. Yeah. And, you know, the shipwrecks can be something, you know, everything from an eating disorder to an affair to, uh, like actually KJ five, two, I started to keep bringing him up, but he was on my, uh, on my podcast on his episode. He was in a literal shipwreck. So, uh, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I didn't expect that to, to come up, uh, you know, it, on the episode, but, but yeah. So what, what I like to do is I like to hear people's stories and ordinary people, you know, are, are the bread and butter, but I, you know, because I am a musician and stuff, a lot of my, my guests are also artists. Um, and early on in the archives are there, there's a lot of interesting stories. Um, you know, the founder of Samson society that I was talking about, I have an episode with him where he talks about his struggles with, uh, porn and prostitutes and things like that, even while he was a pastor. Yeah. Um, and his journey to freedom and healing. Um, and, and all of that stuff. I like to hear those stories. And particularly, I admire people who, even if they caused whatever shipwreck it was, mm-hmm. or it was out of their control, that they did the best with it, right? And moved forward, and in many cases became stronger as a result. Yeah. And that's a lot of the stuff that, and why I was excited about your podcast too, because it, there's a lot of overlap in interest and, um an ethos sort of, you know, the, the way we think about our pain, um, and our struggles is important to me. Yeah, definitely. 
I think that's one thing that keeps me going with this podcast is just the stories, how much I just enjoy hearing people's stories. And it's just something that's refreshing to me every time, you know, even the times when I have days when it's like, oh man, once I get off work, I have to conduct this interview. And within a minute or two, it's like, okay, this is what I have to, it reminds me of why I'm excited about having these conversations and why I enjoy it so much. And, you know, and then the response you get afterwards from other people who have listened and it helped them on a day that was just so hard for them and to hear someone else go through these things, you know, and, and makes the world a lot smaller of a place and realize, Hey, we're in this thing together, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's funny. One of the inspirations for uh, the podcast was I was thinking of some of my rap friends Mm -hmm. uh, that have lost their faith in Christ, for example. Um, And I I don't have any judgment or whatever. If, Mm -hmm. if, if you're not a believer like that, that's your journey and your story. Um, And with my own struggles with doubt, like I get it, like, yeah, yeah. but I was thinking about friends of mine who used to be like Christian rappers, and now they're not even Christians. They're still rappers, or well, some of them are, mm-hmm. uh, but you know they've they've gone on to do other things, and they're to go from like standing on a stage and talking about this story over here to going, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that at all anymore. And I thought I want to talk to these friends of mine and hear their story, and then I was like, well. I wonder what would happen if I asked them if I could record it. <laughs> it was really that simple of an idea for, for how I got started on the podcast. Oh, man. And those those conversations are so necessary because, um, yeah. I mean, we, we have friends like that. I've been in that particular case and those filled those shoes before of being the, the one who has proclaimed things from a stage and then turn around and say, I don't know if I really believe that anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then... And then saying, well, you know what? I've, I've come to realize, yes, I do believe this. And this is where I stand. And kind of like, okay, dude, where, where are you at? You know, but it, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things, man, where those the, the conversations are important to have. And even on your podcast, I think last episode I listened to was about Weezer. And you guys are talking oh, yeah, about yeah, Weezer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we do, we do uh, get into a lot of music and stuff too. So yeah, that's great. with it being kind of an extension of Royal Ruckus, we, we do like to talk about music and Weezer is fantastic. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> man. We talk about that raw grittiness of like the Beastie Boys and that's what it reminds me of with the Blue Album from Weezer. It was just oh, yeah. gritty. It was just, it was just raw and it just sounded dirty, but it was funny and it was quirky and it was, oh, it, was yeah. just, it was great. That's such a good record, by the way. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. So in closing, man, is there anything you would like to add? Or how can we uh, get in touch with you? It's on social media. How can we connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm at Royal Ruckus or at Royal Ruckus Official on a lot of things. Uh, so, you know, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, you know, whatever your platform is. Uh, but all of our stuff is streaming on all the things too. And we've got music videos coming all the time, you know, say the word we talked about brand new music video. It's out. Um, so check that stuff out. Uh, also the, the podcast bruise beards and shipwrecks has a website address, bruisebeards.com, beards.com for all the things above, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I've got new content coming. We're, we're finishing up a little short film slash, extended music video uh for the unexpected joy ep should be dropping soon um you know that kind of stuff so it's always something going on um yeah nice man well we're looking forward to everything and unexpected joy is is a great ep everyone should go cop that and i will definitely attach all the links in the show notes and jamie i want to thank you so much for having me man hey it was an honor and i wish you all the best brother yeah boy Thank you for listening. Please visit RoyalRuckus.com and follow us on Instagram or YouTube.